when people think of a nurse, they, they tend to think of the nurse on the ward that does the standard jobs that everyone thinks about. But if you ask people what a learning disability nurse was, most people wouldn't have a clue. And the jobs are so, so varied. So for me, it's about working within a hospital to make sure that people that are using hospital services can access them the same way that anybody else can. And we make all the adjustments that we need to make so that they can get what they need. My name's Ben and I'm an acute liaison nurse for people with learning disabilities in a hospital. The great thing about my job is that no day is the same because no different patient is the same. So we might have a patient that needs to have a blood test and to have that blood test we might have to put a month of work into it to try and prepare them for it so they can accept when the person comes to take their blood they're not too frightened by it. So it might be regular visits to meet people, to experience the environment, and then hopefully, not always, we'll get the blood test done. So that's one of the things we do. COVID's been very challenging in many ways for the hospital in general, and definitely for me and my patients. Um, I think one of the significant things was, was the build-up to it, and there was this general fear of this dark cloud that's looming and we didn't know what to expect and it was one of those things where nobody really said they were worried about it or scared of it but you could tell that everyone did have that anxiety around it and we just sort of got on with the job but we all knew that everyone was was worried about what was going to happen. My other big worry in the build-up to it was knowing that a lot of my a lot of people with learning disabilities die from respiratory related conditions and COVID is respiratory related so we knew it was going to be a really vulnerable group. When we were in the peak of coronavirus although we didn't get the huge numbers of people that we feared we were going to get when we did get someone it often posed lots and lots of significant challenges so we could have someone admitted that in the past has needed two months worth of interventions to try and get them to be able to have an ECG or an x-ray done but now we've got this person in hospital and all those friendly staff that they'd seen before are now suddenly wearing lots of PPE and they look quite frightening with their visors and their goggles and their masks and their gloves and aprons so instantly they've been thrown into a situation where they don't know the environment they don't know the people the people that they do meet look frightening because of what they're wearing on top of that, they're not feeling very well. So we've got a situation then where people are saying, we need to get their blood pressure, we need to get a blood test, we need to do all these different things. And in my head, I'm just thinking, how on earth are we going to do that when it's taken me two months to get this person to have an X-ray? So in many ways, we just hit lots and lots of walls. And for the patients, it was really, really difficult. So it was people having blood tests and they were frightened having them. Whereas we'd try in the past to do everything we can to make it a positive experience, it almost became a task that had to be done for this person to be kept alive. So we'd have people that needed to have oxygen therapy. So many other people in that situation would have the big NIV masks on for their symptoms, but my patient might not be able to have the NIV mask. So we're already we're using a therapy that's not as good as other people would have because the patient can't tolerate it. So we might just use a standard oxygen mask. I had people in hospital where I was sat with them for hours 
trying to get them to keep the oxygen mask on. So I had one situation with a patient where I was sat with them for a long time trying to get this person to accept the oxygen and we'd had conversations with the family and conversations with the clinical team and we decided that actually we're not going to keep trying to keep this mask on this person because he was getting so distressed and we knew that he wasn't going to survive. So that was a really challenging day so I spent quite a long time with him and then left him knowing that when I got back the next day he probably wouldn't be alive or there's a strong chance he wouldn't be alive. So that then was then trip to the office and get my things before going home to go through the, the showering routine that we had to do when we'd finished work. So I was walking to my car and the, it was always a very long walk to my car in those days because there was lots of things on your mind and I got in the car and started driving home and within five minutes I stumbled across and drove past this group of women in their 30s that there was about six of them just sat on the grass drinking Prosecco and I'd just left that person thinking I don't think you're going to survive and all people had been asked to do is stay at home and we had a big group of people just sat on the grass drinking Prosecco and I don't think I've ever been so angry in my whole life and it, it took everything to not stop the car and get out and just lose my temper and shout at these people people say about an emotional roller coaster it absolutely was so I'd gone from worrying about this person to accepting and being really sad that they probably weren't going to survive to then driving past a group of people and they were having a good time but actually it was because of people having a good time that my patient was in hospital and then died and I don't think people realize that that's what happens. It just takes one person to take take the virus home to somebody else and they, they pass it on to somebody else and then my patient gets it. I, I decided over COVID that my biggest lesson over COVID is that I don't like people as a rule. <laughs> I, everywhere that we go, I walk past people and they do something that I don't like. So it seems to be nearly every interaction I have with people now, out of work and out of my sort of home life, I just don't like them. They're either in the supermarket getting too close to me or they've got the mask on the wrong way round. <laughs> so, small things. I obviously don't hate all people and that there's people that I think deserve my time and deserve my effort and I'd, I'd never begrudge giving that to them. I think my favourite sound is probably silence. I really like quiet. Maybe not absolute silence, but just sort of being sat in a park with sort of birds quietly chirping. Or being sat on the beach. I don't want roaring waves and heavy noise, just gentle, calm sounds. I think that's, that's my favourite sound. It's not a sound I get to hear enough, I don't think. <laughs> the idea of my favourite sound being somewhere quiet and peaceful and calm is a complete contradiction to where I work where actually you rarely get any quiet wherever you go there is some noise, there's beep machines beeping there's ambulances blaring there's always some noise, even the corridors there's a lot of noise echoes, footsteps you never really get any quiet time so I, think, I think that's why 
sort of during COVID, I quite enjoyed just sitting in my car when I finished work. So before I had to go home, I just had five minutes in the car with the door shut, just with my own thoughts and block everything else out.